You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to the Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are two Texas licensed attorneys and we are here to help you with your legal questions and any kind of legal situation that you're in that you may need advice for as a public service. And uh, we're here as a community service. Uh, You can listen to us live on Facebook and you can give us questions on Facebook Live. You can also email us questions that you'd like for us to address maybe at a, in a future show at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. And so we're here today, and what we're going to talk about today is easements, property, property law, and easements. Right, and not just, you know, the broad, boring, I'm going to fall over in a faint easements. Yeah. Specifically, um, we had uh, some listeners that requested that we talk about what about property that's landlocked? If you want a lot of a lot of real estate deals going on right now, mm-hmm. and with people selling only the frontage, yeah, and they're landlocked, mm-hmm. and that that but that is a little bit less expensive when you're landlocked. But what are your rights, and how do you get to it, and what do you negotiate, and what to expect? And then also, um, if you've got a road that's a, a county road, uh, and this is happening quite a bit in in Conroe and Montgomery County, what rights do you have if the county has decided, or maybe even a private owner, that they're going to take eminent domain or increase or, or modify that road, and it may take some of your property. And then finally, right. um, what happens when you, if you have an easement that you never knew about mm-hmm. uh, because it was on a dedicated plat? It may not even be an easement, but, but it, it comes up that there may be an easement that doesn't exist anymore or does exist, but you have some questions about something that you learned of record that may be on your very property that you may not have known that you may be subject to an easement. Mm-hmm. Okay, so an easement. What is an easement? An easement is a right or a privilege in real property that exists distinct from ownership of the land. Fee simple, yes. Yeah, fee simple means you just own it outright forever and ever and ever. But someone else can have an interest in your property. Uh, it doesn't, that doesn't constitute full ownership, but it's an interest. It's, it's an interest of crossing your property. Right. Or- and the, a good example is sewage lines. Um, it could be that you have uh, an acre of land and there is a, uh, say, 26-foot strip of land at, that's designated on one part of it mm-hmm. specifically for, say, uh, utility lines or, mm-hmm. or uh, sewage lines. Because I just had a case I was working on that was like this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you may not even have known that existed because if there was never a sewage line there before. Right. So there's, uh, that's what an and, easement And, is. and so this it. easement means that, that the, the city can come in and dig up that whole tract, that whole, what did you say, 20-foot strip that right. there's a sewage. Right. Uh, and they have to put it back like it was. Mm-hmm. But it just depends on what the easement says or how it's been used. Because that also, in Austin, this was going on all the time while uh, when I was doing oil and gas, uh, a lot of oil and gas law and ranch law. Um, people would have a footpath, and uh, after a while, that becomes, and you learn this in law school, right. that becomes an easement because mm-hmm. it's an easement by uh, not express uh, covenant, and it's not an easement by uh, necessity because you probably find other ways to get it, but people are cutting across 
a, a piece of property, mm-hmm. at some point it becomes an implied easement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by prior use. Right, right. So easements come in all different forms, but but somebody else actually owns the fee. It's not public land, but what we're talking about today. Right. Um, but and and the question is, what do you do? How do you get an easement if you need it? Mm-hmm. Um, has your easement been abandoned? Mm-hmm. And if there's an easement there, what rights do the people that have the easement to uh, modify it, to make it larger, smaller, or change it? Or maintain it, uh, re-blacktop it, or gravel really, really it. really important. Or... It happens a lot. It really does. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, the first thing we're going to talk about is landlocked. I mean, people buy and sell land in Texas, and land is valuable in Texas, and we have a lot of people that live here. And so what do you do if you've, you purchase a piece of property? What do you do if, like our, our listener question, if they're really, really good deal on a piece of land, right, where you, you, and you don't own land around it, but you want to develop it and you see it, mm-hmm. but it's surrounded by other owners. How do you even get to the land mm-hmm. if, the, uh, if the land has been sold so that the person that owns the land in the center doesn't own any part or any rights to the land around it? What do you do? Yeah. That's the question. Mm-hmm. And that's what an easement is. It's an, a right to access some right. sort of ability and right to access that piece of land. Right. Okay. So what what is our answer? What what is we have a number of answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be your first choice of things to do by based on our our research? Well, I mean, it depends on um, what are you at. What are you asking for the easement? What's the purpose? I mean, like if the scenario that you just described where you've got some piece of land in the center and a lot of landowners around it, Mm -hmm. um, I would apply for an easement by necessity. My first choice is an express easement to go and be friendly to your neighbor Mm -hmm. and say, hey, look, I need some access. Will you give me some access? But um, if you've got a lot of neighbors and you've Mm -hmm. got a big piece of land, I wouldn't do that. You don't even know your neighbors. You're just looking at buying it. What do you do? So. To obtain an express easement from your neighbor. That means is, verbal. Which is, uh, well, it could be oral. It has, should be written. Anything real estate has to be written and filed a record. Yeah. Um, but if you want to get an express easement, something mm-hmm. that's in writing, something mm-hmm. that's going to be identified, um, whether it be first oral, first, of course, you're going to negotiate it orally. You're right. going to get with them. That's but you I need mean. to yeah. reduce it to a writing uh, mm-hmm. so that you have the uh, you know, evidence in the record and you don't have to worry about it later. And this exact situation happened with uh, a a client that I was um, consulting for uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. They uh, they were the people that had the what's called the dominant easement. They had the um, I always get those confused. The serving easement is who has the property they're trying to go across. That's the right. dominant easement is the person that actually wants to use it. Right. Um, either way, you want to look at it if you want to kind of make it just simple. The, uh, this particular uh, church had some property and some people had uh, were basically sort of landlocked to a limited extent because they were trying to connect to a sewage line and they needed to connect to the sewage line across my client's property. And my client... And your was, church was... The, the client was your church? Yes. The yes. Church? I was the one that did not want them to come trapezing, a, a trespassing, coming across their land to put... Uh, and, you know, to... To, they didn't need a sewage easement. They already had one. Right. So why are they suddenly having to agree to this this corporation to allow them to cross their property when there was nothing there before? There was no there was no right of way. There was no um, authority for them to do that. Mm-hmm. And what happened was uh, we negotiated back and forth, and we looked at the talking with the, both owners, the church uh, through me, and with the other uh, the other party's attorney, the corporation's attorney, and uh, you know we kind of gave them. 
what the the downside uh, cost wise of them uh, of my client not having the access to their property of them taking down the trees to put in this sewage line mm-hmm. and not being able to use it again not beautiful trees that they were going to take down to put it where they wanted mm. um, uh, what you know all the different things you look at if someone's going to use your property but not own it they just wanted an easement to put a sewage line in right. of course they wanted a massive easement no, it sounds you know like it, it. it was a, a big big um it, to me it was massive anyway it was uh, i think it ended up being a 15 uh inch diameter pipe coming from this building that's going to go across a small church area and um so we pretty much said uh you know let's work with this you need an express easement let's work together on it let's see if we can come to terms and then I learned, because my client didn't speak English, and I, I wasn't there when they first bought the property and what was negotiated several years ago, I learned that what there was some documents and agreements that had been made between the previous owners that had not been filed of record Uh-oh. that were that attached to the land that affected both the new parties, the corporation and the church that I was representing, right. where they had negotiated an express easement. These are the people that were getting ready to sell the land and negotiated this. And they didn't, I think there may be some issues of non-disclosure, but they mm-hmm. didn't disclose it um, to the, the new owners. And there was actually an express easement that allowed the corporation to cut through, take out all the trees, this church yard, wow. um, all the way to the sewage line. And so it was a, a sad resolution for my client because they didn't know that there was that had even occurred. Mm-hmm. This came through, I guess, the, the corporation going to the people they bought it from and producing these, these records. And then they filed them a record, and they made it effective. And um, ultimately, it was just sort of like, well, this is just what the Lord wanted. I mean, they can, they're going to put a sewage easement in. They have the right to. It was already agreed upon. And they have to put the land back like it was. You're going to lose some pretty oats. But this was, it was put down and where they were going to put it and everything. So, um, so word, another, you know, caveat emptor, mm-hmm. make sure that you've got, you've looked at everything here. It wasn't filed of record. And I question, um, I did question whether or not there was, a, you know, uh, it was legal. Uh, it ended up that the, the people that my clients had actually signed off on it though. So oh, okay. uh, uh, even though the other, it was negotiated by different parties, they signed off recognizing it, but it was never filed of record. Of course, I didn't know that because they hadn't given it to me, but you should, before you contact your attorney and spend, you know, I didn't charge them anything, but in case you had an attorney that actually did charge, um, they needed to uh, to look at all the records they have and bring that forth. And so it wasn't a lot of time wasted. Okay. So an express easement is in writing, signed yes. by the grantor, the person who's giving it. It identifies the property and details the easement, and it's filed in the county deed record. So right. that's, I think, the most amicable uh, way to do it but so you don't now, get an express what, easement what if that neighbor won't give you the yeah. express easement or you never could negotiate one if a neighbor refuses to grant this type of express easement a landlocked owner will be forced to look elsewhere for access if you can't negotiate you have to go to the next step which we're going to talk about right okay so um another one um is to determine if there may already exist an easement by necessity we talked about that a little bit which was the road, the little footpath that kids may use. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all, there's all different types of easements by necessity, but but we need to see if that may exist already so you don't have to go, you know, begging. Right. Okay. Um, I'd say always before, I mean, why not just go talk express first? Mm-hmm. Because if, even if there's an easement by necessity, there may not be. Mm-hmm. So just go talk it out first. It may, sure. you know, cut to the chase and, and, and end a lot of your problems then. 
Texas law requires an implied easement by, by necessity in certain situations. And in order to obtain an easement by necessity to cross another person's property, a landlocked owner must prove three things. Mm-hmm. Unity of ownership of the alleged dominant and subservient estates prior to the severance. In other words, the landlocked property and tract across which access is sought must have at one time been owned by the same person. Right. So it, it has to have been unified, a piece of yeah. unified land. It's highly likely, if you go back far enough, that will have occurred. Mm-hmm. Because we go back to 1836, like we've talked about in our other shows. Mm-hmm. At some point, that grant was given by the state of Texas or by, you know, Santa Ana, you know, mm-hmm. through whatever, whoever you got it from. Mm-hmm. It's more than likely some person owned it together unless you're going across survey lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is... The claimed access is a necessity and not a mere convenience. In mm-hmm. other words, this is the only way you can get across. Right. And the third is the necessity existed at the time that the two estates were severed. So at the time that they were sold, you still needed that easement to get to your land if you're landlocked. Mm-hmm. And unless all three of these elements can be shown by the landlocked owner, an easement by necessity will not be recognized by the courts. Mm-hmm. If a landlocked owner is able to prove each of these elements, he or she can go to court and seek the declaration of an easement by necessity by the court which may then be filed with a county deed record. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your easement by necessity. So easement by necessity, we've got express, and then we've got easement by necessity. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about prescriptive easements and um, uh, an easement by estoppel. And so, what you do if you can't get those. Right. Still another, another That's method. right. One more. Okay, guys, uh, send us your questions at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. You can call us at 281-529-5862 and leave us a voicemail. Uh, We'll be right back with The Legal Connection after the break. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. Welcome back to the Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. We are here today talking about easements. And now we're going to talk about, we were talking about easements by necessity. And now Tony's going to tell us about prescriptive easements. What is that, Tony? Well, we just, uh, there was, there's five ways that we're going to talk about today to be able to get to your land if you're landlocked. Mm-hmm. And the first, of course, and the least expensive is mm-hmm. Express. We already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Express means you're actually going to go to somebody, make a deal, and then memorialize it in writing and follow the record. Right. Best way to do it, no courts involved. But mm-hmm. you Cheaper. Might, more than likely, you need to get an attorney involved that does I land think work so. Mm-hmm. so that you know it's done properly. Mm-hmm. Okay? Or or take a shot at it yourself and then have a consulting attorney look at it Mm -hmm. to to save some money for your sample approval, okay? Um, The next one was an easement by necessity, and we just went over those rules. And that is, you know, the the three requirements are unity of title, uh, that there's a claim to access is necessary, and that the two estates were at one time joined, okay? But you'll have to go to court if you can't get agreement from the person that you're trying to go across their land. Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to have that one be upheld, okay, uh, get a deck for judgment. It's called a deck action. All right. Now, there's another way of being able to prove that there is an easement in place that's not expressed or by necessity, and that's a prescriptive easement. And I see that, and my, my eyes roll over, and gla- they glaze over because I'm like, what is that? Well, it's actually, although it's disfavored by law, it's really a very prevalent way to get an easement in Montgomery County mm-hmm. because— um, 
we have so much land that has not been touched by anybody or used. It's still really not mapped right. Mm-hmm. And it could be for a number of years, you've already adversely possessed upon this easement. Or, so and it's not a fee simple Mm-mm. adverse possession. It's Mm-mm. an easement. And so mm-hmm. this is how it works. Uh, prescriptive easements are essentially like obtaining an easement through adverse possession. And are they're disfavored by law. But I read a bunch of cases, and I've represented some people here in Montgomery County where you can win these. They, they, you win them. Yeah. You can actually get them. Okay, so don't hold off and say, I just can't do that. In order to obtain this type of easement, the person claiming the easement must prove that he or she has used the easement for at least 10 years. And I, I the, one of the cases that I read um, was about where, in Montgomery County, mm-hmm. where the person that was using the easement, um, there was a, the fences, the fee simple owner had not fenced uh, all the way back to where their property, where they owned it. Mm-hmm. Instead, they only fenced to where the easement stopped. Right. And then there was this 15-foot um, utility easement mm-hmm. for electricity that was never used. Right. And so the people behind them, and this is going over like a, a period of like from the 1960s, the people behind them had rented, and then finally after they rented, some other people bought it, so they were different owners. Um, everyone was using it all along as this, this as a roadway. Land. The people behind it that didn't actually own the fee simple, they were using it for their garbage cans as an alley. They were using it as though it was theirs. They didn't right. fence it, but they believed it to be theirs. Right. Okay. So that's the kind of situation where this would kick in. Somebody um, didn't fence where the easement was, being you know a good person, mm-hmm. but after a while. They, even though they were paying taxes on it and everything, mm-hmm. the other person still, it, it got to adverse business. So this is how it works. Um, you can adversely possess an easement uh, to, to use, an, you have to be using the easement for 10 years. And the use was open and notorious, just like our example. They were using it, you know, for 10 full years, using the trash and as, a, you know, a right of way and all that stuff. Uh, it has to be continuous. It was never broken by two owners where somebody fenced it or blocked it off or whatever. Right. It has to be exclusive. Only you and your family were using it for that purpose. Yeah, that's the hardest mm-hmm. requirement, I yeah. think. Yeah, in this case, that's what happened, though, because the other family had fenced on the other side of the easement. Although they still claimed it and they were still paying taxes on it, mm-hmm. they fenced it. And it has to be adverse, meaning that other family didn't tell them, you can do this. Mm-hmm. There wasn't an agreement where, go ahead and use it, it's ours. Right. What happened was the other family in the in the garbage can case um, said uh, they had sold to another family and they were lived there for a while. The new family at the five-year mark said, oh, no, that's our property and we're refencing. And so they went in and they refenced it. And the old owners were like, well, no, we've been using it forever. You can't do that. And then they filed suit to adverse possess and they won. Um, these elements must be proven by the landlocked. Now, this is still talking about being landlocked. So in this situation, Let's say that this particular easement was landlocked, and it was because it was in their backyard. Right. And they couldn't get to it. Nobody could get to it. It was only being used by this one family. Mm-hmm. These elements must be proved by the landlocked owner. Let's say they were using it as a right-of-way, not just for garbage cans. Right. It must be proved by the landlocked owner. And several of them are problematic. The exclusive requirement means that only the person seeking the easement make made this use. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, that the road was used by the owner of the property, which it crosses, or any person, this element is not satisfied. So let's say for this example that the people that were using the trash cans, that was an easement that they used to get into their back. The only way they could get into their garage in the backyard mm-hmm. was through this easement over these people's property. That would be a landlocked situation. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, the adverse or the hostile requirement can be difficult to prove as well. In order for the use to be adverse, our hostile, the landlocked owner, must prove that he or she are the prior owners utilizing the easement 
did not have permission and made some affirmative act to indicate that their use was hostile. Like, you know, putting the trash cans out right up against it forever and, and cementing in parts of it, mm-hmm. utilizing, actually using the easement, putting a drive in. That's exactly what happened in this trash can case. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. If the permission to cross the land was granted, then no easement by prescription would be recognized. That's not what happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, if a landlocked owner can prove each of these elements in court, he or she may be able to obtain a legal prescriptive easement that can be filed in the deed records. So it can be done. It's just difficult. Um, right. I think something interesting, uh, if if someone is using your land and you thought your boundary line was different than what it is, like in the, this case here, mm-hmm. they put their fence, maybe previous owners put their fence where mm-hmm. the, the easement mm-hmm. was so that they wouldn't have to, the city wouldn't have to tear right. up their fence. This is a private easement, but the city or the private owner puts a fence up and it's not on their fence line. It's in front of the easement, so they're not actually capturing their entire property. Right. Uh, if you find out that someone's on your land, all you have to do is go give them permission to use it. Right. And then the you easement. the adverse possession yeah. of the easement. If you say, by the way, before the 10-year mark, you uh-huh. write them an email. Just put it in writing. Yeah. Or if you're doing it orally, you need to have a lot of witnesses, but mm-hmm. witnesses die and that kind of thing. Right. So, um, and they might be reliable. You're, it's a lot easier if you have it in writing. Send them an email. Say, here's the my plat. Here's my survey. Mm-hmm. You know, I got this done a number of years ago. Um, I see that you've put your fence on my land. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only a few feet over, okay. but I want to be sure that we're, we're, we're on the same page on this. I'm letting you use it. And I'm not right. saying that at some point I won't ask you to move it, but you're on my property and it's adverse. Mm-hmm. Just put it in writing. You're not being mean. You're not saying no. move your fence. You're not saying it's your land. It's your land. Mm-hmm. And, and it's there. It's a very important right. Mm-hmm. And it can be that you would lose some of your building line rights if you don't get it, you know, take care of that and, and notify them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you know, another way that you can get an easement is an easement by estoppel. An easement by estoppel arises when one person acts in reliance on being told that an easement exists. Estoppel is kind of our word for fairness or justice or uh, something like that. Estoppel is when you typically, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have it right, right in front of me, but it's when you relied on something. And that upon, to your detriment, that reliance has injured you mm-hmm. because the other person is now saying something else. Okay. Right. So, so um, estoppel is, is, as we're going to see, by is reliant, detrimental reliance. Is a detrimental reliance mm-hmm. on the person, by the person that's injured. And there's a lot of rules with estoppel. If the person that, that's, uh, uh, it's just two ways to look at it. A, new, uh, a Supreme Court case, Lopez, that came out uh, basically is you can't have it both ways. You can't say somebody did something, you know, they can't claim some land by estoppel or an easement by estoppel and at the same time turn around later and say, well, no, I, that's not the position I'm taking. In mm-hmm. other words, you can't claim estoppel to your to your detriment that also benefits you. You can't have it right. both ways. You can't, yeah. change, you can't change horses midstream. Mm-hmm. So estoppel is mm-hmm. kind of a tricky thing. There has to be detrimental reliance. Mm-hmm. Um, an easement by estoppel, uh, I already said that. So we've got three elements, mm-hmm. okay? We've got, there has to be a representation. In other words, you have to be told that... that in writing. Somebody has to say something or tell you that they need to represent something that you're relying upon. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a representation. Number two, there there needs to be belief in the representation. Meaning that you can't be nudge, nudge, you know, with your elbow. Let, let's just say this. It has to be a legitimate belief in a representation that somebody's telling you that you relied upon. 
Well, and the third one is and reliance right. on the representation and and reliance always shows belief. Right. And it it infers that there was a representation. Right. So the the actions show uh, that but there the was a representation. Belief and, is like you can't some crazy blind person can't say, oh, I saw a you know a uh, you know I saw a road there because obviously they didn't see a road there. They can't see. Right. Um, but. But if uh, there was a belief in the representation, because maybe at one point this person could see, whatever the case may be, you had to believe the representation, but you had to rely upon it. That's the huge thing in estoppel. Right. There has to be detriment, and it has to be to your detriment. Mm -hmm. For example, if a person purchased landlocked property and began building a house, this shows the whole thing, reliance, mm -hmm. belief, all mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. If a person purchased landlocked property and began building a house based upon a promise from the neighbor that he or she could cross his land to access the property, but then the neighbor denied the promised access, that could potentially create an easement by estoppel. Again, in order to enforce this type of easement, the landlocked owner would be forced to file a court action, prove each element, and get an order from a judge, and then that order has to be filed in the in the county right, records. Right. And that again, it's going to be the um, the credibility of your evidence. So if you got it verbally, then have your cell phone. You know, yeah, no kidding. It. I mean, the, think the, about it, these it could things. Be that just in, in passing, they tell you that, and then and then they don't want to sign something later. Yeah. So you need to get that. And that, that happens, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and then also we've got a statutory easement from the commissioner's court. We're going to talk in a little bit about the commissioner's court, but you can get a statutory easement. A statute in the Texas Transportation Code allows a landlocked owner to seek a public road from the commissioner's court. Um, the Texas Transportation Code, Section 251.053, provides that a person who owns real property to which there is no public road or other public means of access, may request that an access road be established connecting the person's real property to county public, the county public and road that's system. that's so important because, um, because you know, you're going to have to go to court to prove the estoppel, okay, by the reliance that your neighbors that you could go across. You have to go to court to prove that for 10 years you've had adverse possession for mm -hmm. this easement. Mm -hmm. You have to go to court to prove... Um, the, the easement by necessity, okay? But you have to prove that, you know, the common ownership. Um, even with an express easement, your neighbor may turn you down. This statutory easement through the commissioner's court is the the only answer that you have for landlocked property in Texas if you can't get reasonable people to comply with, you know, with the law and you don't want to go. That's, that, to me, would be my second choice. Uh, first, I'd go for the express easement. Uh, and then I'd look around at the other options. But if I'm dealing with unreasonable people that want to charge me a million dollars for right. access, mm -hmm. then commissioner's court is your friend. Mm -hmm. That is the way that you do it. And mm -hmm. they do it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so so uh, to do that, mm -hmm. to go to commissioner's court, you have to have a, a sworn affidavit. Mm -hmm. And then you have to serve notice on each party that's going to be affected. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a hearing mm -hmm. after that. And uh, then... A public road a may be created, court. right? And and right, and they may be uh, they may create it. It's interesting because they don't have to create the road; they're not required. But they may, at their discretion, create the road. Um, something else that's interesting is the county is required to make a road initially suitable for use and access as a public road, but it's not required to subsequently maintain the road. So. The maintenance of the road may be on the person that's actually gone to the uh, commissioner's court and applied for the statutory right. road. Right. And um, there's, there's also a distinction between private and public. 
And a lot of the cases that I researched talked about maps that were created and approved and filed with the county, so they were effective, that referenced roads that never, uh, it was never developed because for whatever reason the, the land was in swampland or it had a gully in it or for whatever reason it just, it never got developed. And so the, the question is, is there really a public road by dedication if it was never used for that purpose and probably never will be? Mm-hmm. And that goes toward uh, the abandonment issue that we'll talk about in a little while. Now, um, uh, okay, so as far as going to the commissioner's court. Yes, t- tell us about that. Uh, the, the, the operative statute is the Transportation Code 251.053. You can just Google that. And you won't have to Google it today mm-hmm. because I've got it right in front of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so neighborhood roads, people, this is important. There's a lot of small um, developers that develop small tracks. Uh, a lot of people buying small tracts of land that they want to develop that are kind mm-hmm. of new. My, mm-hmm. my maverick friend that asked this question that I love her to death. I'm going to follow in her footsteps one day and, and be like that renegade developer that, that does little lots, you know, and, and not in the fun. city limits, not in the ETJ and all that kind of thing. And, um, and, and, and get good pieces, buy a piece of uh, land that's at a good price and go forward and, you know, make many, many structure towns or something, mm-hmm. you know, just, we're just growing so much here in Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. Anyway, neighborhood roads, really, really important. Um, as provided for in the Texas Transportation Code 251.053, commissioner, a commissioner's court may declare a public road. Um, uh, one, any line between, at any line between the locations of any persons. So that means that your landlocked property, mm-hmm. um, and at or at any section line or any practical route that is convenient to property owners while avoiding hills, mountains, or streams through any enclosures. Okay, we have a lot of bios, we have a lot of streams, we have a lot of gullies here in Montgomery County, um, and we have a lot of landlocked property. So this this applies. Mm-hmm. Now, a person who owns real property to which there is no public road or other public means of access may request that an access road be established connecting the person's real property to the county public road system by making a sworn application to the commissioner's court requesting the court to establish the road. The application must have certain certain things. Mm-hmm. It must designate the lines sought to be opened. Okay, um, That's where I believe that you'd want to probably go to a surveyor. They don't cost that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be able to draw it in yourself, but you're dealing with a commissioner's court that's used to dealing with professionals. Right. It wouldn't cost you that much to do it if this is the direction you want to look. Two, it needs to include the names and places of the resident, uh, names and places of residents of the persons that would be affected by the establishment of the road. That means your neighbors, mm-hmm. people across the street, mm-hmm. the, the adjacent owners, anybody mm-hmm. that may have property that's contiguous to this road. Could be somebody that's down the road. The road's big enough, they're going to be affected too if it's going to have more traffic to them, all right? Mm-hmm. That's going to be up to the commissioner's court to determine if they want to go that far with it. I wouldn't think they have to. And describe why the road is necessary. I think that may be the most important thing. Because if you go back to your um, your easements by necessity, easements by estoppel, prescriptive um, easements, you're going to have to sell this because we know by, uh, it's a, another uh, county code, that the commissioner's court, uh, this is Texas Transportation uh, 251.051, just two little sections before that, the commissioner's court of a county shall order that public roads be laid out, opened, discontinued, closed, abandoned, vacated, or altered, and 
assume control over those streets and alleys in a municipality that does not have an active de facto municipal government, so that would be in your ETJs and what have you, but it requires a unanimous vote of the commissioners. So a unanimous vote of the commissioner's court is required to close, abandon, or vacate a public road or alter a public road except to shorten it from end to end. You don't need a unanimous vote if you want to create one. But you got to know your commissioners. You got to know what section that you're in. Mm-hmm. We have four commissioners in Montgomery County. Those four commissioners are uh, Mike Metter, Charlie uh, Mike Riley, Precinct One, uh, Charlie Riley is Precinct Two, and he's up for re-election in November. He's got an opponent. Uh, Commissioner Three is James Nowak, and Commissioner Four is Jim Clark. And I believe that we have one other commissioner up for election in November. But he doesn't have anybody that is, and that is, it says James Metz is the commissioner. He doesn't have a James Metz. Mm-mm. Doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, that makes sense because most of our commissioners must not be rerunning again. There you oh, go. okay. James Met is running for precinct four. Jim Clark is the current commissioner. So, and James Metz doesn't have any competition opponents. Okay. So the only commissioner that's up for election is um, Charlie Riley in Precinct 2, okay? Okay. And if you're to look at a plat, the commissioners are, the commissioners are divided by population. That's the way it's supposed to be set out. Mm -hmm. And oddly, Commissioner 3 is uh, like where the Woodlands is. It's the smallest of all the precincts. Maybe it's the most populated. It's the most populated, Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, the other three precincts, uh, 2, 1, 2, and 4, appear to have, um, if you go look on the website for Montgomery County, uh, they're about the same size. looks like Precinct 1 with Lake Conroe is the largest, but it's all based on population or that way it's supposed to have been set out. Uh Now, the Commissioner's Court of a County may not discontinue a public road until a new road designated by the court as a replacement is ready to replace it. The Commissioner's Court may not continue, close, or abandon the entire first-class or second-class road unless the road has been vacated or unused for at least three years. Okay. But we're, that's getting into the abandonment. And I will just give, put, give one little provise, uh, one little you know, tidbit of information before we go back into uh, the landlock situation, that to abandon, um, to find out if there's an easement that's been abandoned, um, it's not as easy as just not having use. And I'm opening. Not up. having been used, you right, mean? Right, Yeah. yeah. They're, they're fairly difficult to abandon or have them. Yeah. The, the, the Texas Supreme Court actually says an easement may be abandoned in this state. The court says, and this is in a bunch of Supreme Court cases, it appears to be well-settled law that an abandonment, even an easement acquired by purchase, occurs when the use of which property is dedicated becomes impossible or highly improbable as to be practically impossible uh, or where the object of use for which the property is dedicated wholly fails. And there's a bunch of Supreme Court case law on that, but... The bottom line really is if there is an easement that's set out on your plat that is that you didn't even know existed, mm-hmm. it's not being used, it's landlocked, it will never be used mm-hmm. it's, uh, because there's it's now you see dedicated plats that are used for other purposes. You can see that the dedicated plats have utility easements and sewage easements that are already in place at different places, then that would be something that would be abandoned, impracticable. And mm-hmm. if it's been going on for about 20 years, um, it's highly likely that that's going to be an abandonment easement if you can go get that recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's for that. That's sort of like if you've got an easement that you didn't even know existed, and then somebody tries to come to you and say that it does. Now, um, as far as trying to get your landlocked easement in place, 
Uh, after an application is filed, the county clerk shall issue notice to the sheriff or the constable commanding the officer to summon each property owner affected by the application. So they're going to know. So this is to, the hearing, right? right? This yeah. is the hearing part. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go out and summon them. Yeah. Once you apply for it and you send your, your application to the commissioner's court, they will do that for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. The sheriff or constable shall serve the summons and make a return in a manner in which the process is served in a civil action in a justice court. And that's the JP court. A um, property owner summoned must appear at the next regular term of the commissioner's court if the property owner elects to contest the application. So any of those people in the surrounding can go to commissioner's court and contest it. If nobody contests it, then it's going to be approved. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the regular term of court, following the service of the summons, the commissioner's court may hear evidence as to the truth of the application. If the court determines that the applicants do not have access to their real property, the court may issue an order declaring the lines designated in the application or other lines established by the court to be a public road. The court may direct the public road to be opened by the property owners and to remain open for a width of not less than 15 feet or more than 30 feet on each side of the designated line. The marked marked trees or other objects used to designate the lines or the corners of the survey may not be removed or defaced. Notice of the court's order shall be served immediately on the property owners, and a return of the notice may be made in the manner recorded in uh, the subsection we just read. Um, Under that subsection, a copy of the order shall be filed in the deed records of the court. Damages to the owners incident to the opening of the road under the section shall be assessed by the jury of property owners in a manner provided for, for in the public roads uh, section of the statute. The court shall pay all costs incurred like eminent domain. Mm-hmm. Um, the commissioner's court is not required to maintain a road under the section until the county employees, using the county employees, but shall make the road initially suitable for use as an access for a public road. And um, the, in the case of a public road established under the section that involves an enclosure of 1,280 acres or more, a person who for 12 months after the person received notice of the court um, has some other rules and stuff that apply. But the bottom line is, uh, if you need to get access to your landlocked property, a lot of stuff has gone on in the state in the last 200 years. This is what our state now allows you to do. You can get an express uh, uh, easement with your neighbor. You can go to commissioner's court if no one will uh, uh, cooperate with you reasonably. Mm-hmm. Or you can try to go fight it out in easement court, by necessity action, or by a prescription. prescription. You know, and I just want to add to wrap this up that, uh, you know, if you've got something, that's, if you've got a piece of property that's landlocked, if you go and take one of these actions to get access to that property, you're going to reduce headaches because title companies are not mm-hmm. usually willing to insure title property that lacks as- access. Yes. So without access, it's going to be difficult to sell the property mm-hmm. uh, in insure you can't in, insurable title without insurable title a lender is not going to be likely to give you loan money on it so it's in your best interest and the best interest of everybody involved for, writing for you to obtain right legal access right and then have it filed with the county records a lot of people that sell their lands in different tracks are not thinking when they're just selling their land no they're that, not that oh this is going to be landlocked and they're thinking people are going to be reasonable don't be right so before you buy that land or if you're in that situation um you can uh, consult with an attorney i think that's probably the wisest but we've probably given you a little insight of what direction you can start with and the commissioners are there for you go to commissioner's court watch right. sit through one watch it mm-hmm. um there's also city commissioners that handle this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a city, you're not just dealing with your county commissioners. And if you're in the ETJ of a city, you may also need to go to your city planning commission for Conroe, Willis, Montgomery, or any of the smaller cities. 
if you're not an ETJ, then you're only dealing for the most part with the Montgomery County Commissioner's Court, which are the, the commissioners that we just named. Okay. Well, guys, you can check out our website on LegalConnectionShow.com. You can email us, questions at LegalConnectionShow.com, and you can download the podcast. It's going to be available tomorrow on Google Play and iTunes. It's available Wednesday, uh, the day following the show. We're yeah, here every Tuesday. 24-7. That's right. We're here every Tuesday from 12 to 1 p.m., on 104.5 and 106.1 uh, Conroe's FM. And we really want to encourage you guys. Thank you for listening. And we want to encourage you to serve God by serving others. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week.